Yeah, so tell us a little about a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, I'm Shannon Bruss. I um, started out um, at Illinois State and I got my uh, undergrad in exercise science. And then I went back and uh, got my master's in sport and exercise psychology. And um, another proud moment, I interned with the Cooper Aerobics Center. Are you um, familiar yeah. with? Yeah. yeah. So I interned with Dr. Cooper. Um, and that was an amazing experience. And that actually brought me into wanting to do exercise psychology. Uh, but I also uh, run a gym, and that's called Focus Fitness. And I uh, am a professor and internship coordinator at McHenry County College. Yeah. And that's <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very busy. So what is like a typical week at this stage of your life? Because like you, you've been in business how many years now? Um, our biz We've been in business since 1992, actually. Okay. Um, but I've been running things since 2019. Gotcha. So um, we, a typical week for me is usually I, I do most of my clients on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So um, the training and um I do like a lot of my admin work and stuff on those days too. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I teach at the college and then randomly throughout the week going and seeing different internship sites, connecting with um, potential internship advisors and stuff like that. So um, Tuesdays and Thursdays are busy because I also do clients in the evenings and stuff too. So Gotcha. So te teaching in the morning, then you shoot over and coach yes. in the evening. Yes. Cool. Yeah. It's busy. Yeah, sounds busy. But, yeah, but a good kind of busy. I, I like being busy. If I'm not busy, I'm just mm -hmm. going crazy. So I, I enjoy it. But you get the weekends off? Nope. <laughs> uh, Sundays I, I take off. But okay. on um, Saturdays, I'm typically just doing gym stuff. But yeah. Cool. Yeah, and we, earlier we were talking a little bit about your the way you guys are set up at mm -hmm. the gym. Um, with the You guys go 30-minute classes, 30-minute sessions. Mm -hmm. Try to pack as much into those 30 minutes as possible. Keep yes. people busy, moving, sweating. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so we found um, in my research, uh, we did. I did experimentation on um, like the proper way or the best optimal way to develop a class, like a fitness class. And um, I figured just jump into the yeah, the yeah. psychology. I was going to ask. Yeah. So. Part of my research, we researched the optimal state of motivation, which is a flow state. And um, I'm sure you've heard of that before. That's like where the whole like, going with the flow kind of comes into play. Mm -hmm. And um, so the whole idea of a flow state is like there's uh, an actual, it, they did a lot of research with athletes. And that's how they figured out that this is a place that we need people to be motivationally in order to develop intrinsic motivation, which is the only type of motivation that you can develop that will help you continue doing something. Like you can't, it's like the purest form of motivation. You know, you have like extrinsic where you're doing something for a reward, you are um, doing something to avoid something else, um, you're doing it to appease somebody else. You know, there's all those are, I guess, tainted versions of motivation that are not lasting long. And um, intrinsic motivation is just self-driven and it's doing the activity for the sake of the activity. And that tends to be what drives people to continue. And so the whole idea was to figure out how to apply that, and how to facilitate that in exercise because we want people to stay committed. And um, so we did some experiments in my um, 
in my graduate studies. And that flow state has like some criteria that you have to um, achieve in order to get into that. And so when they were studying athletes, they were finding that they were experiencing this part like during games usually or during a meet or, or a match or something where they kind of like check out and they, they it's like being in the zone. Um, it's called usually that they refer to it as that. And it's like there's aspects of it like time dilation. So you can hear people if they're describing that state that it's like time flew by or it like felt like it was slowing mm-hmm. down or like there was like a, a, at both at the same time. Sure. Like, so when you say checking out, you mean more like autonomous. It's just yeah, they're things just are like, just flowing. Like, oh, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. the flow. It, exactly. Yeah. That's right. where it comes from. So they <clears throat> are just completely immersed in their activity and everything else just kind of fades away. So it's like that's where the time dilation comes in. And then there's also things like they don't feel a sense of um, self-consciousness. They don't feel uh, – they feel competent. They feel like they are accomplishing something. And it's all – all this research that they've found is like there's like little spurts of that. And like so we're trying to figure out how to make that last longer and how to actually – facilitate it so instead of just happening on it when um, you're in the middle of a game or you know something like that how do we get clients to experience flow during their workouts and then they'll feel better and more likely to keep coming back and so that's where we came into the the half hours is that's it's it's really hard to maintain a flow state for really for longer than you know Mm -hmm. 10 minutes but with um, the research that we've done, we found that um, like the best way to kind of keep flow going is like circuit training. And um, most of my background is in um, body image. And so that's where all of my research was directed. And uh, that circuit training was like the best way to help people um, kind of escape their self-consciousness and because they're so concentrated on the task at hand. And um, so with circuit training, you have like all of these tasks in like right out in front of them and they are so concentrated on just finishing and getting it done that it doesn't feel like they're trudging through the workout. It doesn't feel like they are, they, it's less likely that they'll get bored. It's less likely that they'll kind of start feeling bad about themselves or um, thinking about what they should be doing instead. You know, what can I be doing at home? Um, they're really just in it. And uh, for us, like the 30 minutes really works to help kind of facilitate that. And that's when at the end people kind of like when they're in the workout, they kind of zone in. And then they it's so interesting to see like when they're done, it's just like they like wake up and they're just like, oh, like, OK, we're done. Like, that's it. And um, but they get the, the results that they're looking for. They feel like they can commit to time a little bit better um, because it's just a half hour. And sure, so yeah. they can get to the gym, work out, leave all within an hour. And that's been kind of the appeal to most people. But, yeah, so going <laughs> that answering that, but going into like the science behind it, it's uh, been very interesting to see it play out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. It is like if you think about it. um, 30 minutes is pr- fairly short, so it's like, why couldn't I work out for 30 minutes? Like, I could exactly. commit 30 minutes, like, no problem. Right. Exactly. Everyone yeah. finds 30 minutes in their day. And especially when they actually do the 30 minutes and it's just like it's done already, it feels like, oh, okay. Like, I, I can – like, the next time they, they're not dreading coming back, like, oh, I don't have enough time for this. It's 
last time I did it, it flew by and, mm-hmm. and I was tired and I worked hard and there's some physiology behind it too. Um, just like the amount of, uh, muscle groups that we recruit at the same time. So they are getting the physical benefits of it and, and seeing physical results, uh, from just training the half hour. Um, but our whole thing is like the motivational aspect too. So, mm-hmm. but you get both. So it's more bang for your buck, I yeah, guess. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's a different perspective. It's always good yeah, to get yeah. mm-hmm. new perspective. Definitely different. We have like 60, 90 minute sessions and some of the things that we've arrived at. So like typically in our warm ups, we try to get people active, moving in a five to 10 minute window, like mm-hmm. from the first get go. So a lot of times we'll start with either like soft tissue, like quick foam rolling, like stuff that you're gonna wanna do walking in right off the street mm-hmm. or first thing out of bed or after a long day of work, like some pleasurable, easy activities to just start moving around. Yep. And then we try to like slowly ramp it up mm-hmm. and then ramp it back down. So awesome. yeah, we, we hack it in a little bit different way, yeah. but yeah, similar. Mm-hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah. So what do you find like most of the clients at the gym are looking for? In terms of their goals? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I'm very, again, my background in psychology, um, exercise psychology, uh, whatever the client comes to us with as their goals, I always say is just their, uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's more of like it's their superficial goal mm-hmm. and it's their external goal. So um, most of the time people come in, they want to lose weight. And so I teach my trainers and I also teach my students the same thing too, where it's not that first goal that they give you is not the real goal. There's more to it than that. And so if you just are addressing that first goal, you're doing yourself as the trainer and your client a disservice because you're not really getting to the root of that goal. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna get really cheesy and use a, um, a metaphor, I guess, but like it's more of, it's like they give you the leaf of it and it's like a tree and then you have to kind of dig, find the branch, go to the trunk and find the root of exactly what they're looking for. And more often than not, people are looking for as the root is to just be happy and have a happier life. And so it always kind of boils down to that. And um, so we usually will take the leaf and go into like, how will that make your life better? And then that tends to bring them a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. And then you find out that um, like, I'll go through an example. So like with the losing weight thing, we usually will respond to that with like, why is that your goal? Or why is that important to you? And, um, you know, like, oh, well, in high school, I weighed this much and I felt really good about myself. And, you know, and then we go into a little bit further, like what's different now than when you were Mm -hmm. in high school? Oh, I've had kids. I have two jobs. And, you know, and you go into a little bit deeper where they just are just looking to feel confident in themselves. And um, and so that's where we tend to drive the program is is looking for ways to make them empowered and to make them feel confident. And um, we talked a little bit about this with the the different uh, theories of motivation. And a lot of times it's, it well, almost all the time, it boils down to just three things that people are interested in. And it's relatedness, which is um, they want to feel like they're a part of something. Uh, competence, which they feel like their ability, they feel um, confident in their ability to do something or autonomy where they feel like they have some control. And so a lot of times when you hear someone has um, weight as their goal, 
it tends to boil down to they feel like they don't have control over their life or they feel like mm. things are getting um, out of control, like their job is stressful or this. And it's just so much easier to blame your body and say, I just want to lose weight because that's an easy fix than like my life feels like it's out of control. And so um, we like to find those root goals. Um, but I mean, just like any, I'm sure you guys get too, where people come in, they want to lose weight, they want to look better. And it's just, it tends to be so much more than that. And once you're kind of, um, I really believe in this a lot to do with my background and body image, that if you take weight loss off the table, people are a lot more open about what they really want. And they're, they are more motivated to keep training because, um, and to keep try, trying to, excuse me, strive for this goal um, because it's more important to them. It kind of is more ingrained in them instead of like weight loss where any day you could be like three pounds heavier, five mm-hmm. pounds heavier, lighter, and it just is so unpredictable that um, people just get so discouraged right. so easily. Yeah. And so we, whenever we get that answer, that response, we try to kind of dig a little bit deeper because that's always that like external, that superficial response. And but. to your point too, the relatedness, so like digging a little bit deeper and yes. finding out what is actually behind that goal makes you more relatable as a trainer. Mm-hmm. You know, people feel like they have a teammate in the in the proposition as opposed yes. to I'm on an island over here trying to figure this out by right. myself. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's <clears> like, uh, I'd like to tell my students that too, is if you you need to show people that you care about them because if you're going to be in this field, you have to care about people. Mm-hmm. You, This isn't a selfish field. It can be, as I'm sure we've seen. There's a lot of um, fitness professionals that kind of take that route. But if you really want to do well and you really want to make a difference, like you have to care about the individual. And it's not as much as telling someone I care about you. It's like showing them that you do. And that's where mm-hmm. like those questions come in and like that relatedness where they feel like this person actually cares about me. And um, like they are really want me to succeed. And, um, you know, that whole thing where it's like you have, it's showing, not telling. You know, it's when someone says you can trust me. It's kind of like ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that should go without saying. Right. But no, now that you said that, I'm questioning that. It's the same thing. It's like I really care about you. It's like. Thank you, but mm-hmm. I, it's your actions yeah. speak louder. Definitely. But, but yeah. Yes, having someone in your corner is huge for most people. So, like, you were saying um, you have to, like, do it for the person. <clears throat> is there any, like, breakthrough moments, like, when you're teaching, like, aha stuff, like the students maybe went into class not understanding, like, what it's like to be a, a fitness professional, and then it's like, this is kind of what it really is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, the especially when we talk about the psychology aspect of it. Uh, before, um, so the at MCC, I developed the exercise psychology course, and so it wasn't being offered um, before I started teaching there. And it became it started as an elective, and um, the students were having so many aha moments during that class that they actually petitioned isn't the right word, but like they, every student who took the class would go into um, our head, our department head and being like, this needs to be required because now uh, everything that I just learned or everything that I learned before this class, I'm questioning now because I'm looking at things differently. Mm -hmm. So it's the idea of trying to get students to have a different mindset before going in is um, really important. And so they, it was important to them too. They would go and just be like, 
this should be taught sooner because now everything that we go over right. is different. It hits different. And so um, that's my favorite class to teach because there's so much of that. Like the students are are uh, things that make sense. Like you explain it to someone, they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like working out to your personality type, you know, like that makes sense. But like actually seeing it play out and like looking at it at like a, a prescribing or an exercise prescription um, standpoint, they're it just like those ah the lights turn on and they're just like oh that makes so much sense and my favorite part is when they get that and I hear them like applying it and so like when you were at our um, advisory committee meeting um, <clears throat> we have a new class where they are working with mock clients and going through the uh, motivational interview and so they're learning to go with like the leaf to the root you know in terms of goal setting and um, and then to hear them when they're in the application phase, like actually applying the stuff that they learned in class, it's just, I feel like I'm a proud mom, just like over, and it's the best because they're not doing it for me. You know, like they're not doing it in a presentation. Like I overhear it happening um, like in the gym when they're working one-on-one -on -one with their clients. And so a lot of times it's in exercise psychology where they're just like, oh, I wish I would have known that or that makes so much sense now. And then hearing them apply it is a, is a big deal. Yeah, it's an interesting way of doing it too, to figure out the why, then the mechanics of actually training somebody versus a lot of times the focus is just the mechanics and the hows and but to have the why first, yes. then learn the mechanics and then be able to to blend those two together because mm -hmm. otherwise then you're working backwards. You have the mechanics and then you're like, you know, kind of what you were saying. Then you have these aha moments and then you now you have to start learning right. how to work All backwards and yeah. now you're asking why yeah. and, you know it's like to, to have those two together I think is absolutely yeah, are you cool. familiar with Simon Sinek <clears throat> yeah he is he I use his um why's that's why I was asking because you said the why I use his why um TED talk in all of my classes like I make them watch it every single semester in every class because it's so important to have as like something that drives you personally as a fitness professional, but also having your clients kind of arrive at a why as well, because no one's asking them why they're just asking them what. And so it's like trainers are asking the clients, what do you want? Okay, here's how I can give it to you, but no one's talking about why mm -hmm. and why is what drives everything, you know? And, and I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and um, like, and so, and I even from like the, professional standpoint, if you have your own gym or you have your own business, even as just a personal trainer working within a gym, like you have to, in order to be successful, you have to give your prospective clients your why. Tell them why that you're doing these things. And that shows your passion. It shows why you're doing it. And right. that is so rare in our industry because it's so easy to just fall into the what and the how that we keep forgetting why we do it and then as a trainer you get burnt out easily if you don't have a why what's going to drive you and same with the clients like they're going to get frustrated they're going to have setbacks they're going to be discouraged like they have to have that why in order to keep them going mm -hmm. so that's like that that word triggered big <laughs> there's a lot that is in the why and that's very important to me and important to um, have my students learn as well. No, that's good. I think whenever we do like a consult, it's always like, yeah, it's always weight loss or something, but it's like, how is this going to help your life? Where does yeah. like, other yeah. than the scale, if the scale, if you never, if you didn't look at the scale and you're at your target weight, how are you going to feel? 
how, how will you know like you yes. made it? Or it usually yet. comes like, oh, I have more energy. I yes can keep up with my kids better. I'm uh, running better. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's ninety kind of day, ninety it days away from that the number. Yeah, ninety days, and then what? Like, yeah, like yeah. what? You, we have to do this the rest of our lives. So you, you have yeah. to have a strong why. <laughs> right, absolutely. Exercise is not. Yeah, yeah. That's why I love getting the goals where it's like. I want to be um, fit enough and have enough energy to play with my grandkids. And mm-hmm. it's just like, that's the kind of stuff yeah. that really shows. Like yeah. I had a client who um, she hated Turkish getups, hated them. And I was like, and I would joke around and be like, this is how you escape life alert. Like, this is how we get up off the ground, you know? And she was um, an aha moment of hers as she was playing with her grandkids on the floor and was able to like get up and down and play with them. And she was like, that was just huge for me because my knees wouldn't allow it before. Um, and I it would, it would take me so long to get up that the kids would get frustrated with me. And now I'm being able to do that. And it's like, those wins are so important. And that is it circling it back to like that intrinsic motivation. Those are intrinsic motivators. And it's stuff that um, a lot of my research with, uh, body image, we did research on appearance goals versus health goals. And um, health goals could also be like capability or like ability goals. And um, our, our research was feeling better about your body and body image wise, but it also kind of translated into um, further motivation to continue doing whatever they were doing. That was like part of the, the experiment that we did. And um, they, we found that people with health-related goals were more motivated to continue exercising than those who had appearance goals. Because like you said, it's like, how do you know when you get there? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, you get on the scale and that's it, you know? And then like six hours later, you're heavier. It just is, uh, and a lot of times with appearance, it's just not enough. It's never enough. Like you hit your goal, now I want to lose 20 more pounds or oh, I want to do this or gain more or whatever. There's, it's never enough. So it's... Um, people get discouraged so much quicker when it's an appearance goal. And when it's a health-related goal, uh, they are more motivated to keep going because they're like, well, what can I do next? You know, what can I, this, now I can get up and down from playing with my grandkids and maybe I can go like on a hike with them or I can do um, practice soccer with them in, in the um, the backyard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only in, in our experiment did we find that aspect, we also found that having health related goals kind of acted like a buffer to the onslaught of like appearance related um, messaging that you get in everywhere (laughs) with like gyms and like lose Mm -hmm. this, get shredded, do this, you know, um, that like people who have health related goals that are really ingrained in them, it almost like they didn't, it didn't bother them or it didn't like change their mind. Mm -hmm. And um, that's like a huge thing too, because especially women, having that much of an onslaught of appearance oriented messaging in terms of fitness and having that be related and almost like they can't have one without the other, having those health related goals tends to kind of, they almost forget about that aspect for a little while, at least like while they're in the workout, they're not. um, And there's research too that we did that was really interesting with, uh, like one of the worst, um, I I hesitate using the word worst, but it's whatever. Um, One of the worst uh, types of activities for women, especially with body image issues, sorry, I hit the, um, (laughs) with body image issues is cardio on like a treadmill because it's just so ingrained that the calories are right there in front of you. 
Um, you're not concentrating on anything else. It's just like how hard this run is or how hard I have to push in order to burn this many calories. And it just becomes this like um, mental block. And so, but they found like resistance training and circuit training are be more beneficial for body image because it's teaching them to be like inside of their body instead of looking outside yeah from the outside so you're feeling things differently you're like you're you know when you're doing a squat like you're feeling the um, sensation in your legs you're feeling what it feels like to do proper form versus improper form and um and then even further in they were finding that like total body movements are more beneficial for body image because even resistance training where you're doing like the typical bodybuilding isolation tends to make them think about how they're shaping their body and it's like it takes a, it it does a disservice mentally because it takes away from the whole point was just to make them stronger and it becomes now it's an appearance mm -hmm. activity. And it's like, how can this make me look better as opposed to how can I get stronger? And so like total body movements and um, like metabolic conditioning and that kind of platform or functional training, to put it simply, is been better because people start to develop a <clears throat> kind of like an appreciation for their body. And so they have less to say negatively about it because they're becoming more invested in how it moves and feeling better about how it moves. And so it's, it's, it was a lot of, it's very interesting in terms of like, it makes sense again. Yeah. And like you explain it, you put it out there, but like actually seeing it play out is like a whole different thing. That is cool. Yeah. So in these circuit workouts at your facility, mm -hmm. what does it like look like when someone walks in the door for for a workout? So we have a lot of different um, <clears throat> classes, like class t themes, I guess. So like every day of the week has a different theme. And so some are um, like endurance-based, some are power-based. Um, we have a class that is concentrated on like the major lifts. So um, this is kind of like our I don't know, like our specialty, I guess, class, like format, where you have um, like the main lift, say it's a squat, and they're learning like a back squat. And then um, the rest of the movements in the circuit are all patterning for the back squat. So it's, they do like a movement pattern in their, I guess, part of their workout. They do like a functional movement pattern for squatting, which we use the FMS for that. And um, then they'll do like a one side, like a unilateral movement that is targeting the same muscle groups as a squat would. Then they do a squat. Then they do um, like they practice like just movement first and then we increase every set in terms of weight. And then they do a core movement that is designed to activate the core in the same way that a squat would. And then they do a plyometric version of a squat. And so we do circuit through that and they are... Um, we have different, uh, that one stays pretty much the same. The only time that we make it different is when we do like an EMOM. And um, so they're going through and like doing the squat every minute on the minute. And then they're doing uh, the other stuff like during the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, <clears throat> but otherwise we have uh, like different curriculum. So every day of the week has a, its own um, format and the, just the movements that we choose are different. And so like if it's endurance class, we do more like lighter weights or body weight or more cardiovascular um, training. 
And then if we do like power, we're doing lower um, reps, higher weight, and doing more explosive movements. That's when we'll do like our cleans and um, like kettlebells and stuff like that. Um, and what else do we have? We have uh, just we have. Usually our classes go, they all go um, two half hours back to back. So we have like our metabolic conditioning workout that we do first. And then right afterwards, if people want to go for a full hour, we have like just traditional resistance training. And um, so it kind of complements it. So they're not overtraining. And so um, those ones were just doing like the single isolated um, accessory muscles with whatever and, and they go with whatever class is going to and earlier so okay nice yeah so you do have the option for like a, a 60 minutes if someone wanted that versus yes. just like the 30 minute yep we make sure that we're not over training them because yeah. ideally like with our our method um, you shouldn't be able to do more than 30 minutes of the metabolic conditioning if you can then you're not utilizing your time correctly and you're not working to your full potential sure. so that's why we put like lower, um, lower intensity, slower resistance training after that. So they want to work the full hour. They're not overtaxing their body. Mm. So, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And you can control from day to day, like the stimulus that people get or, you know, if Monday's very intense. Mm -hmm. Tuesday could be a little bit yes. less intense. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Sure. We never put like two power classes back to back because they need that full like two days to, to recuperate from it. So <clears throat> We nice. make sure we split it up to be balanced. So if someone wanted to come every day, they're not going to get injured. They're not going to overtrain. But um, and some we do have some people that come every day and do the full hour every day. Um, but then most of the time we have people doing it like twice a week. Okay. Yeah. 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 We have a lot of two times a week. It seems to work for a lot of people's lifestyle. Mm -hmm. two, to, two to four, I feel like, is a sweet spot for a lot of people. <clears throat> mm hmm Oh, I don't think I told you this. Um, <clears throat> so we also specialize in um, kettlebell training. <clears throat> so I, I'm just in my brag moment, mm -hmm. I'm um, a world champion um, kettlebell sport oh, athlete. Cool. <laughs> I went in um, October, I went to Budapest to compete at the world championships. And so we do, um, and I won, <laughs> nice. um, but we do kettlebells, <clears throat> excuse me, we do kettlebells differently. So most kettlebell training is uh hard style bells where like you'll get like you'll see in crossfit and um like you don't see sport very much um but have you ever seen the the big like they they're huge kettlebells that are all yeah, different colors boys, like this yeah. more of like a square handle. yes yeah. yeah so those are the kettlebell sport kettlebells and so they're all um the same size just different weights so they're all universal mm -hmm. And um, there's a whole sport that is um, like Olympic lifting, except with kettlebells. And so like all, a lot of the different um, lifts that you'll find in um, Olympic lifting, like weight, uh, Olympic weightlifting, like um, snatch, you will have, um, I should say powerlifting, but either way, um, snatch, clean and jerk, jerk, all of that is with kettlebells. Um, and so you, it's actually the sports being considered for the Olympics. And so hopefully, hopefully we get through to the Olympics. Um, but yeah, that's something that we also do is um, I think we're aside from a gym in Chicago, we're the only ones that um, do kettlebell sport. And it's very, it's a really interesting um, to watch. Like you should definitely, if you haven't seen kettlebell sport um, movements, um, it's really interesting to see, to compare like hard style to 
kettlebell sport. And of course, there's like a rivalry between the two. But uh, but like even just watching the mechanics, um, like treat yourself, watch the mechanics in slow motion of like a kettlebell sport snatch versus a hard style snatch. They are just completely different because different because um, for kettlebell sport, you have to do your lift for 10 minutes straight. So like yeah, that's yeah. the that's the goal. And um, so you have to be energy sure. efficient and uh, in order to last that long so and then there's some in kettlebell sport there's some uh, events that last like a half hour and so you have to do that same lift for 30 minutes straight and so it's like really taxing but like just to see you can see why this works for that amount of time and why um how it just it it compares to like the hard style bells it's really interesting is the weight based on the is there like weight categories (coughs) in terms of how much you're lifting so um for Women and men, it's separate, um, and you, but it doesn't matter. Like your um, body weight uh, doesn't really dictate how much you should be lifting in order to like meet a ranking. It's mm-hmm. how many reps that you achieve with a specific weight. So like okay. someone who's heavier would have to hit more reps in order to level up because you can level up in um, to, like your rankings. It's kind of like martial arts. So you like you get a new belt. It's mm-hmm. like you get a new ranking, and um, so it's all based on reps. Um, but like there's for actual competition, uh, amateur for women is, excuse me, amateur for women is, uh, 16 kilograms. So like 35 pounds. And then, um, for amateur for men is a 24 kilograms, about 50 pounds. And then, um, professional level for women is the, the 24 kilogram and professional for men is a 32 kilogram. And so like, but you can compete at the lower levels. Like you can, there's an eight kilogram, which is like beginners will start there. And, um, you have to rank up to move up if that makes sense Like in the, um, actual competitions. So it's really interesting. So what was your event when you went to Budapest? I did single arm event called long cycle, but it is essentially a clean and jerk. Okay. So I and I did it with a the sixteen kilograms. So, so I'm still amateur. So are you going from the floor to your shoulder overhead, or you swing? So okay. <clears throat> you the and that's part of the rules. Like the bell cannot touch the floor at any time during your set. If you do your sets over, or you get disqualified, so you have to keep moving the whole time. You can't rest. Um, the only time oh, you can rest of is on your body. Yeah. Okay. And so that's interesting too. Like if you look at the um like in the fitness industry world like kettlebell sport athletes get dinged for this all the time because people don't understand but like if you look at someone's form when they're in the rack position it looks like they're going to blow their back out and um just because they're they're leaning backwards and their hips are forward and the bells are resting on their hips which is like that's the rest position like you should be able to just like relax in that position um, but it looks like you're arching your back really mm-hmm. bad and that you're going to like break your back. But um, you with the long cycle, you are swinging, cleaning, jerking and then going down, swinging, cleaning, jerking, just back and forth like that. And you can't touch as soon as you touch the ground, you're done. But you get to alternate arms. You have to do you can you only get one switch if you're doing. Oh, wow. So usually you do five minutes, five yeah. minutes. Jeez. Um, but like the half hour events, you can switch anytime you want. Yeah. I don't, I got invited to do one of those in Berlin, um, or not, I'm sorry, in Belgium, um, in the fall, but I, it, it, the only events are going to be the half hour events. And I'm like, no, no, 
I'm not, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. I can't, I don't think I can sustain that, but it's a full class of yeah, kettlebell of one swing. movement. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just one movement. It's a long time to swing mm-hmm. kettlebell. Mm-hmm. Is that single arm also? Um, they have sing, yeah. Or you can do double. Yeah. Wow. So like cool. in professional level and in most of the organizations, only in some organization is, is the one arm considered an event. Um, most of the organizations, though, two-arm long cycle, which is the clean and jerk, is an event. Or, like, you can do two-arm jerk um, or just snatch. But snatch is just one arm for everybody. Gotcha. So for some perspective, what are people getting for this 10 minutes? Yeah, so my record was um, – and I set a record um, with this weight – or this – of these reps and for snatch, I did 253 reps. And so, um, in order to win, a minute. <laughs> yeah, in order to win in snatch, you want to be getting like 200 or more reps in your 10 minutes for, um, two arm long cycle. You want to be getting like, it's, you want to be getting like 70 to 80 reps, uh, in your 10 minutes. And then, um, with a one arm clean and jerk, uh, let's see, I won and I got 125 reps. And, um, so like anywhere from anywhere higher than like 110, you're going to get, um, you're going to win with, um, for the half hour ones, the most I've seen is like 700 and, um, like 30 wow. reps. Yeah. But as you see, it's like, you can, um, you can severely overtrain if you're not doing it right, you know? And mm-hmm. so that's why the biomechanics of kettlebell sport are so interesting because it's so energy efficient that you're not overtraining and mm-hmm. you're, you're relying. That's the biggest thing that we get is um, you're relying too much on momentum. It's like, yeah, that's the point. Because how would you be able to go 10 minutes doing the same movement if you were muscling it the whole mm-hmm. time? You can't. You have to go... Uh, based on like we call it skeletal stacking so you're not using your muscles to hold the weight up you're letting it rest on your hips so you Mm -hmm. can relax everything else and then momentum and so it's like it's just a different it's just it's more strategic than anything yeah so it's interesting how did you get into kettlebells originally um i i loved like heart style bells i think they were um i just loved how they were just different and how they just get give you a way different workout than dumbbells or barbells or anything um and so one of my trainers was like you should compete in kettlebells because the crossfit games were on Mm -hmm. and there's like that event there's the kettlebell events and um i was like i would love to like i'm not i don't want to do crossfit like i don't want to do crossfit games in order to compete in kettlebells so if there's something and so i did some research and all of us, like, I found this whole, like, uncovered this whole sport and this whole, like, culture of it. And so I started, I just dove headfirst. And um, I found a coach who, that was an interesting story. He and I connected over Instagram. Um, I have, I, I told you, I have two kids. I have two daughters. And one of them is, like, super interested in kettlebells. And I saw on um, Facebook, there was like these little mini versions of the like, competition bells. And I was like, that's adorable. Like I want one. And then, um, so I figured out that this one guy makes them in Las Vegas. And, um, I, so I bought one and then he can, he messaged me on Instagram was like, Hey, can I send you like a full set? And like, you can, um, like no charge, like you can just like 
post about it and like have mm -hmm. your kids like work with them. And so he did. And then um, I, I had no idea what I was doing in kettlebell sports. I asked him questions and stuff. And turns out he was on the board of like an organization, um, one of the organizations that I lift with. And he's like, I'll coach you, you know, like mm -hmm. send me videos. And then um, he helped me a lot too. And so it just like became, it's a really great environment. Like people are very supportive of each other in the sport. And it just kind of like started really, I started just ramping it up from there. But like with his help, um, <clears throat> I was able to within a year go to the world championship. So nice. I started this, I started training. It's been a year. It was a year in February of this year. But you had like a pretty good base of fitness prior to starting. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It just I had to learn the mechanics, yeah, and yeah. so it was. It's a cool. It was a really cool journey. But yeah. It's yeah. cool. It's fun. The first time you have somebody like throw a medicine ball, swing a kettlebell, or do like Olympic lifting, and mm -hmm. they get to use momentum and power, it's like. Yes. It's like, whoa, because yeah. traditional weight training is you yes. know. It's super slow right. and and like ha I love that too. Like we were talking about aha moments, when like you put like a big giant kettlebell in front of someone they're just like i can't lift that and then you teach them how to use their body with momentum it's like it just becomes like holy crap like i just how did i just do that and right. like same with like barbells I, like learning that they can use momentum and use their body in a different way a gym becomes like a whole new yeah. world of opportunities yes there, right? and then going back to like what i was saying earlier about um competency they do stuff like that and they're ex they're experiencing that um, moment of oh my god my body can do this that becomes th their relationship with their body starts changing and it's less exercising is less about changing their body and more of like what can i do you mm -hmm. know and like i, I want to do this i want to do a pull-up next i want to do i want to deadlift this much and it just becomes this like jungle gym of like like a playground and how many things right. can i do and um that is like optimal intrinsic motivation it's just like people want to do the activity for the sake of the activity because it's fun to see like what they can do yeah, yeah. that's cool <laughs> yeah. definitely like the more you can do i think it makes exercise interesting mm -hmm. you're not like limited to specific exercises you're i mean it just opens up everything inside yeah. the gym and outside the gym yes that's huge is when i i find too with clients and students and everyone like when they when they start to see their gains, if you will, like outside of the gym, it becomes a whole new game. Like it's mm -hmm. just they are they're so thrilled where like um, something as simple as I was able to pick up the, the bags of salt and just put it into my car and not yeah. need help, you know, or um, I was thinking about you the other day, like you make me do all these kettlebell farmer carries, but I was able to bring in my groceries just one trip, mm -hmm. you know, like holding it. And so <laughs> it's that's why I love functional training so much is that you can see the benefit. You can see it playing into everyday life. Mm -hmm. And then people that brings into like, we were talking about autonomy. They, they feel like they have a role in their, their workouts. And they, it's one of the biggest things that um, I learned in um, my um, schooling about autonomy is that people need a reason why they're doing it. Like, People want to have some kind of control, and that's where, like, the autonomy comes in. But even as much as giving them a reason why they're doing something, like, not just do as I say because I I said do, do it, you know. It's more of, like, do this, and then you're going to experience this. People 
tend to do better because it, it makes sense to them. Like mm-hmm. they, they don't, they're not just there. Some people just want to be there. Tell me what to do. I'm not going to ask questions. Yeah. But even those people, you give them little bits of like, hey, this is going to help you with this. And then sure. and that's enough to make them be like, oh, you know, that's great. Like yeah. I, I'll keep doing this then, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And for the young trainer too, you know, that's <clears throat> important to have more tools in your toolbox yes. and be able to because ultimately, like, if you're doing this as a living, as a career, you need to be able to work with lots of types of clients and appeal to them in different mm-hmm. ways. So having different tools in your toolbox, like yeah. we, we had talked about, you know, people that are interested in bodybuilding as a yes. trainer and, yeah. you know, they have nice biceps, but then <laughs> yeah. biceps only appeals to a certain percentage yeah. of the population yes. or, you know. Yeah, especially like, um, especially with women, there's some women, it's changing now, Um that are like, I, I want, I don't want to get too big, you know, like I don't want to get bulky. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's like go into like, it doesn't work like that, you know? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> but like, there are some people that just want to train like an athlete or they want, like, they don't want to do the bodybuilding. And so, um, yeah, like we talked about, it's important for <clears throat> upcoming, uh, fitness professionals to have experience with all types of individuals like training all different types of individuals because you never know who you're going to come across you know and and sometimes like that why like this is why I have my students watch the um the TED talk over and over again is because like their why changes you know like there's some that are like I just want to work with athletes you know I've had this happen before I just want to work with elite athletes that's it you know I don't want to work general population and and then as they go and the more experience that they get they're like oh my gosh I worked with someone um uh, with the special olympics special needs and it was amazing because they did a push-up and they were just thrilled with it you know and it's like they go from that to that and then their why just kind of like Mm -hmm. changes and um like when for me i know from experience like i when i started my fitness career i worked at a gold's gym i wanted to do bodybuilding i wanted to do all of that like a figure competition and um and so and i wanted other people to do it too and and then i went i interned um at the cooper aerobic center and most of what they do is with general pop or um health yes health oriented yes exactly (laughs) and when i finished my internship or even like halfway through my internship i was like what am i doing like i i I was so driven by appearance um goals for myself for clients and everything and then i i worked with uh they like put me in not in charge but like i was like the main intern for a uh program for individuals parkinson's and like for in the beginning i was just like oh god this is so boring like i want to be able to do this and like we're dribbling basketballs back and forth and like and then i started learning and seeing more of these people um just gaining control back and of like just their their body because they felt literally like, yeah literally control, gaining yeah, control right. back of their body and um i remember i'll never forget this one guy who was he was able to put his own pants on and he was so thrilled by that because he's like i lost all i like my wife had to do that for me like i lost i felt like i lost my dignity i felt like all of this and now i can do that and i was just like oh my god like there is a whole different world to this fitness thing than just like looking good on a stage and you know starving yourself to do that um it just was like so eye-opening and so even from experience the why changes and um and knowing that is important for upcoming professionals like don't just be hell-bent on one 
thing, you know, like make yourself more, it it makes you more marketable too. like make yourself well-rounded and you'll learn like to develop a better appreciation for the industry that you're in instead of just getting sucked into one um, group or um, population. Appreciation is a good word. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, uh, you know, either having a team of people that maybe have different strengths. So then if there is a client that yes. has, you know, th- th- there should at least be some kind of solution to, mm-hmm. and people evolve. Like you said, you started with one goal and mm-hmm. it evolved, you know, yeah. I think a lot of trainers are like that too. Yes. And then, yeah, you see your product offering kind of evolve along mm-hmm. with that. You yeah. Know, we were very similar. And So being the internship coordinator, mm-hmm. Are you seeking out places where people could get like different experience, like very, like vastly different experiences uh, in the fitness profession? Yes, I'm really partial to um, like places like you guys are privately owned, and um, I just have found that the students get more of an enriched um, experience than going to like a box gym um, Mm -hmm. because it's very like corporate. They have to, there's a lot of like hurdles that you have to jump through and like the interns don't get to do very much because of all of that. And one, I'm I'm big on like support small businesses. Like that is number one. And the quality is just so much more, so much better in those types of um, fitness facilities. But I do like I look for that's kind of like what I narrow my pool down to is that and then I try to look for different types of experiences and different types of gyms and because every gym has their niche. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a very uh, adamant about like students understanding that it's like and it just when I'm meeting different people for the internship sites that <clears throat> if like all these small businesses kind of like came together and and not seeing each other as like competition, it's like, that's how we survive. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how we build this niche market. Um, I don't even, wouldn't even say a niche market, but like the small business aspect of fitness where people just get a better experience in general, instead of going to like a box gym where they're just like an ID number, you know, and people only know their name by like looking at the, Oh, hi, you know, hi, Will, like, nice to see you again, which is like, you haven't seen me before, but thanks. Um, but like they, getting that type of gym on the roster is is very important because the students are able to learn more um the the like the advisors or the owners or whoever's in charge is a little bit <clears throat> are way more forthcoming about like experience and um let them get their hands dirty and it just is overall better than just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole you know mm-hmm. it just is like I feel that my students are being um, stifled when they're going to different places that don't let them do anything so it's important to interact with like people like you guys that have the same like a similar um, perspective and like how the fitness industry should be run but I do like to uh, I like to mix it up and try to find different niche um, gyms and, mm-hmm. and things like that but to an extent, you know, like it still needs to be like they get the well-rounded experience, you know, because like a yoga studio isn't really on my like like on the list of um, mm-hmm. places just because that's all they do. And like we don't really go into teaching how to teach yoga. It's more of like so coaching based gyms. It could be like athletic 
style. It could be general pop. It could be just a personal training gym, like those types of things. But um, overall, it's mostly individual, privately owned, as opposed to like the big mm -hmm. box gyms. Do you find that um, students have more success like as a career in a smaller type of gym versus going to a big corporate one? Yes. Um, overall, I mean, j even superficially, like the individual privately owned, they tend to pay more. So it just is because it's, I guess you can like micro gym or boutique mm -hmm. gym or however you want to put it, but like it's, they tend to charge more for their members than like a $10 a month, right. you know? And so that itself, like they end up making more money that way. Um, and then they have better success as well because like their superiors or their bosses or whoever is working with them has like an actual personal investment in them as opposed to like, I can just replace you with somebody right. else. And so in their career, they become more well-rounded and their experience is better. They enjoy work more. They feel seen, they feel supported. And then they're also financially making more too. It just tends to be that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. I've had the opportunity to mentor several people throughout the years without a real curriculum to mm -hmm. do it. So it's just been a lot of energy intensive trying sure. to share my experience, what yeah. I know, and then utilize trainers' strengths mm -hmm. and, you know, like help them get to where they need to be. But yes. I think it's a what you're doing is a great service because it's matching like exercise science is like a massively growing mm -hmm. field mm -hmm. and there's a major need for health exercise yes. and you're just pairing and trying to make that experience as positive and yeah. you know, long, long term. Yeah. Right. And it's a win for the trainer. Mm -hmm. It's a win for the, the client. Mm -hmm. And then too, when a trainer can make like a nice career out of it, yes. then that ultimately is, you know, what's going to keep them in the game longer and helping right. more people and yeah, that's and that's a whole other thing too. Is like our industry is gr is um, changing, which is good, but um, we tend to lose really good trainers to other jobs just because it you know the um, like fitness doesn't pay the bills, you know. And so it's like <clears throat> that's another thing that's important to me is that um, my students are finding places that they can actually make a decent living instead of making you know like. $12 an hour sure. for like personal training at like Burn a, yeah, yeah <clears throat> it, it's, it's huge. And so they need to, um, they need to be compensated properly in order to stay in the field. And so there's, um, in my, um, classes, like I, I go over with my students, like, and I show them like, this is based on like, um, like the economy and everything we go over like pricing and what they should be getting paid and all of that. And it's like, this is important to know. Like you, you especially, especially students who go through and they have uh, like a degree in it, you know, it's not just someone who went and got like a weekend right. certification, yeah. you know, like they, they actually put money and time into this. So they should find these places that are um, compensating them properly. And it just like overall, like the individual private owned places are, are doing that. They're, um, it's, they're, and then my students and, and just, I think, fitness professionals in general are staying in the industry longer because they're able to survive on it. And um, like you said, it, it, people are starting to value their health a lot more and um, their wellness. And so um, and then I we also saw like a surge in private owned facilities um, during and after COVID just because people were too scared to go to the gyms sure. like the box gyms because mm -hmm. there's just like so many germs and so many people and then at the same time they're they're like seeking and like needing um 
interaction with people because like we were quarantined yeah. and so it's like so they want the places that give them more attention and they feel like that we're back to that relatedness that they feel a part of something so um i mean in in general i feel like um overall like i would i would just constantly be pushing these small businesses because like they are the ones that deserve to continue and like the students just have a better experience with mm -hmm. it too like, yeah so what would you say is like the num like very high traits for like a successful trainer empathy <laughs> that i mean if, if anything <clears throat> is empathy and i think we talked about this but like having a um a personality that you can communicate with people and so it's like you you can be the smartest person in the world you can um, have t every textbook memorized and know all of the different um, ways of training and how to train like the how like we're mm -hmm. circling back is but if you can't understand how people work their why and really want to care for them and want them to succeed like you're not going to be a successful trainer so to get like specific like you have to have charisma you have to um, <clears throat> be relatable you have to be approachable um, you have to have that empathy and of course you have to have knowledge, but like knowledge is something you can teach people. Mm -hmm. You can't teach people empathy. You can't teach them relatedness. Like they have in the industry, like you either have it or you don't like there's things that are coachable and that's important for, um, you know, business owners or like for professors who teach upcoming students, you know, that <clears throat> they're going to be more successful if they develop connection with clientele. So um, it's important to have like that with hands-on experience in their um, career, in their upbringing, in uh, the industry that like a weekend certification just can't provide. Like yeah. the weekend certification can is good. It serves its purpose um, because it's, it's encouraging people to be more knowledgeable instead of being like, hey, I look good. Like, let me train you. You know, like there's like that, like I'm a bodybuilder, I, I can oh, train right. you, you know, like to look like me. And so it's still good, it serves its purpose. But in general, like you have to have, you have to be a people person and you have to enjoy working with people and, and be able to put up with the 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 headaches that they give you um, from time to time. But like you still care about the person in, in general. Like if you don't, then you're in the wrong industry. Mm -hmm. yeah, so. So as a teacher, do you ever have to have that uncomfortable talk with a student like you are so selfish or like <laughs> kind of like this maybe your personality doesn't kind of fit with this field or uh, yes. does that ever happen? Um, not more so in like the over cocky, uh, like I've talked about <laughs> putting people in their place often. Yeah. Um, and like, you can ask my students, like I, I approach it in a way where it's like they all they'll call me mom, like I'm I'm their mom and mom has like the tough talk and it is it's like in a way that it's not condescending you know it's more of like you, you know you gotta you can't you can't say that to somebody or um <clears throat> like the my recent students i had to have like a mom talk with them before we started uh like the working with our mock clients and where it's like hey listen like i've been laid back i've been cool about stuff but like this is where I don't budge, like if I hear any type of like degrading terminology or something that goes against what you've learned, like I'm pulling you. And I've talked to you about like the internship too. Like if I hear any word of um, 
like that you've done something disrespectful or uh, that you're just not meshing or we're going to have a serious talk. And so I haven't had the it's more of like bringing them down a notch as Mm -hmm. opposed to like someone who's really dull and can't have a conversation. I haven't had to have that conversation yet. Um, And I don't I think that um, as long as you have the why of taking care of people and of um, helping people with health and wellness, like you have that, that thing, that's the right thing to have. And um, there is, if you're, even if you're like a more reserved person, like you don't, you, there's people that flock to different people. Sure. Right. You know, like I. There's, there's an ass for every saddle. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, yeah. <clears throat> exactly. And like, I consider myself a hype person. So I'm very like animated, but like I have, we have members or I have clients who are just like, that's too much for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they do better with someone who's a little bit more sure. reserved, you know? And yeah. so um, it, you don't have to be like a hype person or, in order to do well um, in this. You just have to be empathetic and you have to care for people. And that's mm-hmm. really what it boils down to. I think each person finds their style too. Like yes. if you are more reserved, like maybe find ways to communicate, Yes. you know, through text or, mm-hmm. you know, blogs, mm-hmm. like that yes. kind of stuff. And yeah, you will see there's, there's people that are very... Uh, extroverted introverted like mm-hmm. all that stuff plays into yes you know some people do well with the group mm-hmm. training they yep. like being on the stage and mm-hmm. the energy of the of the moment yep some people do really well one-on-one mm-hmm. it just kind of depends so yeah if anybody struggles like you can definitely find but through repetition right you know Practice try a lot of different and... stuff we kind of talked about that earlier is like you'll find your way eventually if you have that strong why and mm-hmm. you know sample yes and work hard and be willing to be willing to change where you're weak and mm-hmm. yeah. play to your yeah. strengths. <clears throat> Are there any um, preconceived notions your students have about owning a gym? Like, oh, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And you kind of have to yes. shed the reality <laughs> to it. Yes. <laughs> uh, and those are the ones I like to put with people that own their own businesses um, because they just, they, and this goes with clients too. I think that people grossly misunderstand what a gym owner goes through when they are, when they own a gym, they just think like, Oh, you just get to walk around a gym and like work out all day. And you're just racking in the memberships and they don't understand like the amount of grind that it takes, um, to own a gym. And it's, it's not easy. And so the students that I have that are like, I don't want to squash their dreams, you know, that if they want to be an entrepreneur, Absolutely. But there's, uh, that's why I like to have, that's why I asked you to come um, guest speak in my classes is to have these guest speakers to go like, I have my own gym and this is the stuff that went well. This is the stuff that sucked and like to be prepared for that. And um, so I, I do, I give them the reality talk because um, that's a beneficial because I, you know, am partial owner too. So I understand the grind that is that is necessary to own a gym, but like here, having other people hear it too, or hearing, excuse me, from other people is important as well because it shows like, it's not all glamor and glitz. It's, it's hard work and some days are worse than others. Some days are great and thriving and there's other days where you're just scraping by. And um, that is, we, we talk a lot about business in, in some of the classes that I teach and that's part of it. It's just like, you can't just decide you're going to open your gym and just do it. You have to do research. You have to do, um, like, figure out what you need to survive. You know, you have to, like, most people have to take out a loan in order to open it up. And then, like, you have to worry about paying that loan back. Mm-hmm. And it's just not, it's not just, like, 
a lot of people are like, well, I have all these like followers on social media. Like I'll just open up and, and it's like, even if you have like a million friends that are like, oh yeah, do it, do it. Even like your friends aren't necessarily going to come like work out at your gym. Like mm-hmm. it just is, you can't expect that. Um, so yeah, we've had a lot of talks about just like the real, real world, real world experience uh, in owning a gym and how hard it really, really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I try not to squash their dreams. Yeah. Is there any like discussion about kind of online coaching or online training as like a business option? Um, there's a lot of, I mean, that is ob- obviously an upcoming field. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's becoming very, very common. Um, but again, I tell them like, just because you have a lot of Instagram followers yeah. doesn't mean right. you're going to have a successful um, the coaching business. And so it's like, it's important to, uh, if you're wanting to do that, you have to know how to market yourself and you have to do it well. And you have to, uh, that's hard enough is just like marketing and staying relevant and social media and mm-hmm. even being able to, um, know the differences between like posting a trailer video versus like a full instructional video and where it belongs, you know, like is a full, um, instructional video belong on Instagram or is it, or is, or excuse me, or TikTok or is it like a trailer that's on TikTok? Mm-hmm. And it's just knowing all the different things and how, how you, like, if you're going to be online and your coaching business is going to be online, then you have to be all invested online. Yeah. And so that's hard to do, especially if you're also coaching, you know, cause then you have to do all the marketing and right. the, the sales and all of that virtually, but then you also have to write the programming and coach the yeah. people too. And so it's, but they're like, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah. You know, I thought it'd just be like, oh, I have all these followers. I just write workouts and then they buy them. And right. some people are <laughs> lucky enough to have that um, type of following, but it's just not realistic. Yeah. I feel like online might be even more of a grind than yeah. in person. It's a different. Yes, yeah. a whole different grind. <laughs> it's a different animal. Yeah. yeah. To try to impress somebody enough to want your yes. product, you have to portray it visually. There's, yeah. you know, the the videography aspect mm-hmm. of it the yeah. the script aspect of it, you know mm-hmm. it's just that's yeah. a that's a whole nother yeah it, i would say i would agree <clears throat> i think it would be almost harder to do because it's so much easier if someone comes in and they see your personality and then you they, your facility and they they see your passion and it's so much harder to convey that right. virtually mm-hmm. and like when they can just like swipe and then there's the next person right underneath your grid or right underneath right. your post that um is posting something that looks cool too. You know, it's like, how yeah, do they right. choose? And do you want to spend a bulk of your time trying to just attract people yes. to ultimately right. filter it down to maybe 10% of the mm-hmm. attracted people purchase your yeah. product? You know, it's right. like, it's a different, again, your why. Yeah. Yes. You know, exactly. is, this, is this what you want to do? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not for everybody. So. Yeah. And I, I try <clears> to tell them too, it's like, it's not, especially if you have like your own. It, like gym, your own brick and mortar. Like it's not about the amount of followers that you have because are all those followers turning into clientele? You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. can have 13,000 followers, but like how many of those are actually paying you? You know, right. like how right. it doesn't mean like you, if you have more followers that you are a, like a higher quality business, it just is you're good at drawing people in to look at what you're doing. But like the conversion rate is yeah. what's important, sure. you know? Um, unfortunately though, like our industry and just like society in general looks at the amount of followers and that's like if you have more followers and you're more legitimate yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. but just like if you point it out that way or it's like 
if you're a gym owner, like or I'm telling them too, like if you're owning your own business, like it's important to market yourself. But like if you're only spending your time on that and not actually bringing clients in and converting prospects into clients, right. then you're not you're not doing you're not you're wasting your time essentially. Yeah. So full full circle because this ties back into things that you were saying is we talk a lot about like value proposition and yes. empathy, like you said. Yes. You can be whatever you think you are as a mm-hmm. trainer, but if it doesn't add value into someone's life, so right. a lot of times people might make an impulse purchase because you know someone looks good in a bathing suit mm-hmm. or yes. has big biceps, mm-hmm. and they'll make that one-time purchase for nineteen dollars a month. But yep. then they try that program, and they see that it's just a, yeah. a you know a whitewash oh cookie cutter, yes. and they do it for <laughs> for four weeks, and that's nineteen bucks down the drain. Yes. And then then they're done with it. So right. like, who did that ultimately benefit? Yeah. The the online trainer that took the yeah. time to impress somebody got the 20 bucks that right. they were looking for. Yeah, so. and that's so true. Like I try to tell my students that too, where it's like don't fall into the trap of just like buying all these programs online because it's like you're going to find like the, that booty program with like right. the whatever, like how to get a better booty. And it's just like do squats and deadlifts. And it's like, great, I'm glad I spent $70 yeah. on someone telling me that yeah, squats right. and deadlifts help me with right. my glutes, you know. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, that cookie cutter um, and people, but like you said, though, it sometimes people have to make that mistake and mm-hmm. learn. And then they they are so much more appreciative of the individualized training in, when they actually come into like right. a, a brick and mortar um, or like work with a, an online coach that's actually like does Zoom calls Involved. with them or yeah. whatever. And like, yeah, exactly. It's you not just, well, yeah. yeah, buy my program. You got to kiss a lot of frogs before you yeah, find that's exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. I love it. Good awesome. uh, analogy. Yeah. Well, I think we've done cool. an hour. Nice. Maybe. Perfect. Yeah, hour 10. Nice. I like it. Yeah. See, it's, it's good. Yeah. All good stuff, too. <laughs> yes. All, I love when it, like, it. yeah, I love when it circles back. You know, it always just, like, comes back into, like, what you are talking about earlier, and it just, yeah, circles back and really drives the points home. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having yeah, me. I'm cool. excited. That's good.